not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. A communications disruption can mean only one thing, invasion. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Begin landing your troops. time. The Federation has gone too far. The death toll is catastrophic. Our people are dying, Senator. We must do something quickly. You must contact me. There is something else behind all this, Your Highness. They will kill you if you stay. I can only protect you. I can't fight a war for you. I think we're going to have to accept Federation control for the time being. This is a battle I do not think that we can win. I will sign no treaty, Senator. You said people are going to die? Once those droids take control of the surface, they will take control of you. I was not elected to watch my people suffer and die while you discuss this invasion in a committee meeting. Always two there are. A master and an apprentice. Welcome back to what the show. What a very special episode. That trailer's like... It's a pretty oh, epic trailer. Goodness. Right. It all came rushing back to me. Yeah. Listening to that. Ah, good mo- Good it. movie to close out our summer lineup, too. Yeah, right? I feel like we're getting into... It's kind of like all. the blockbuster to yeah. end all blockbusters. Oh, goodness. Well, everybody out there listening, all of our wonderful podcast listeners, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that made us gay. gay. Coming to you in a galaxy far, far oh away. Oh, my goodness. Break that down for a minute. Just mm-hmm. think about that whole opening line. But, uh, Scott, I mean, clearly, it's our very first Star Wars episode, but why don't you introduce our guest and we can get started talking about this movie. We are talking with friend of the pod, Nick Romero. Welcome to the show, Nick. Hey, guys. Welcome so to the show. I always knew that we were going to eventually do a Star Wars episode because Pete and I are a bunch of fucking nerds. And, of course, we love Star Wars. Yeah. And you had, like, messaged quite a while ago, like, maybe <laughs> even a year ago, of if you ever want to do episode one, let me know. And yeah. I'm just like, I'm just going to file that away. So <laughs> we finally got to it. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, directed by George Lucas, released May 19th, 1999. Pete, this is the ninth movie from 99 that we've done. Wow. How about that? And we're going to be doing another one next week. Oh, And okay. that will be 10. Very cool. Very <laughs> cool. A lot of good movies came out that year. Um, you two were probably just... Young, small children. I was going about. into the eighth grade when this movie came out. <laughs> okay, okay, I was two when this movie came out. Oh my goodness! I was finishing up junior high or like my seventh grade year, uh-huh, uh-huh. and 
I just remember this movie just being the biggest thing well, of all time. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we have to. I'm very interested, uh, Nick, to talk to you um, about kind of somebody who grew up with the prequel trilogy as kind of like their baseline introduction to Star Wars, right? Would you consider that like to be true, or do you think you kind of watched all of them, like the earlier ones first, or how did that go for you? So I definitely started with the earlier ones first. Oh, okay. um, I think I had to have been around four or five when I saw uh, A New Hope. Uh-huh. Um, my godmother said it to me. We watched a VHS set. Love it. So, you know, I uh, was super excited about it. Um, loved Darth Vader right away. Um, let's see. Following that, I think I immediately went into Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um, I don't remember that trailer, so listening to that with you guys like the first time I've <laughs> I've heard it, um, but it sounded definitely really epic. Yeah, the thing was like, mm-hmm. okay, I remember just the buzz behind this teaser coming out was a big deal. Well, yeah, because I mean, for you know, for people that are not super in the know with Star Wars, you know, the first movies came out in uh, the first movie came out in 1977, A New Hope, and it was followed by The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. But Star Wars, colon, A New Hope is actually episode four, right, in the in the list. So, like, all through the 80s, everybody was like, what the heck? Where's episodes one, two, and three? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Like, why did this start in the middle? And here we go, in, you know, in 1998. Did I get that wrong? Well, I remember in 97 yeah. when the special editions of... The original trilogy came out because uh-huh. they added new effects. They remastered yes, them. They yes, put them all back deal. in the theater. Yeah. I personally saw A New Hope and Empire in the theater for the first time during those re-releases. Yes. So I actually saw them in the theater. Yeah. And I remember that it was already, the prequels were already announced when yeah. those movies were coming up, yes. too. And I think that these movies, the episode one shot summer of 97. Sure. But... So this trailer, right? This yeah. trailer comes out, and we don't know anything about what's going to happen in you know the prequel movies. All we know is that it takes place before Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And in A New Hope, all we know about the Jedi is that Darth Vader killed them all. And the only Jedi that's left is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he's going to train Luke Skywalker. And they try to goop us in this trailer with uh, Palpatine saying, wipe them out. Yeah. All of them. And so you're like, oh, shit. He's already talking about, like, killing all the Jedi in episode one. What the hell? They threw us so many, like, fake outs just in the trailer alone, right? And then the movie came out. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of general public oh, yeah, we'll opinion get into it. of it. But um, so since you kind of grew up on uh, episode one... Did you kind of feel like there was a big difference between the earlier, the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy? So the first thing I can remember or, or uh, my first thought of uh, the prequel trilogy is everything looks so brand new and shiny. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so used to A New Hope looking, you know, um, old and desolate yeah. being on Tatooine. <laughs> um, kind of run down. So the first thing I notice is, wow, this is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the Senate looks great. Uh, Naboo looks great. Um, I, I want to know what happened, you know, between yeah. Phantom Menace and A New Hope to kind of lead it down that path of, like, destruction. Yeah, totally. And did you end up watching uh, 
like Clone Wars, like the animated series and all those things. Because I, I did. I watched, I kind of watch all of it. So, so like I'm a huge Star Wars fan, like a big Star Wars nerd. Yeah. But I will admit that I didn't start watching Clone Wars until like 2019. Sure. Uh, my fiance got me uh, into it, that in Rebels. Okay. I don't know if you guys have seen Rebels. Oh, yeah. love Rebels, yeah. Yeah, love Rebels, love Ahsoka, yeah, yeah, Fulcrum, yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I I understand when people say that they haven't fully got into Clone Wars, especially because it's six seasons. You know, it originally started yeah, a on, lot. It originally started on Cartoon Network back in the day, so there's like twenty something episodes a season. There's a lot yeah. of content, right? And it can get it can get a little deep into like the mythology and all that. But you know, like you said, it, it introduces Ahsoka, who's this like amazing character. She's she's so great. You know, Star Wars is kind of known for not having I mean female characters at there's like three, like in all <laughs> You know, you can like count on one hand, like it's not even good female characters, it's just female characters, period, right? Yeah, and Clone Wars comes in, and they introduce Ahsoka Tano is this like really great, you know, Jedi Padawan learner, and she's just so amazing. You kind of go through her whole journey, and then Rebels, which takes place um, in between, uh, in between episodes three and four, I feel like. Um, it's kind of another take. The the visuals start to kind of blur the lines between the prequel and the original trilogy. Like visually, like you said, with that like clean sci-fi look of the prequels where everything's so shiny and chrome and, and beautiful to George Lucas's original vision of this lived-in sci-fi world, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what so many people love about the original trilogy is this lived-in look. It just looks like yeah. it's a real – these are real ships that people live on and, and Han Solo is like just like this cool dude like just living his life like being, being a scoundrel. Space cowboy. Yeah. And then Phantom Menace comes around and it's like – it's beautiful and shiny and stark and Queen Amidala is just like so uh, – I don't know, not dramatic, but she's just so... Like, she's so drag. <laughs> she's, she's very drag. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's got lovely gowns. <laughs> lovely gowns. Her gowns, and, and can we talk about her voice? Loves a good yes. stunt, puts this, on a full character. This chick is doing a full... She's got the voice, that, like, she does a different accent when she's, like, got the makeup on. You'll not be so pleased when you hear what I have to say, Viceroy. Your trade boycott of our planet has ended. I was not aware. Of such failure? I have word that the Chancellor's ambassadors are with you now, and that you have been commanded to reach a settlement. I know nothing of any ambassadors. You must be mistaken. Beware, Viceroy. I mean, so yeah. I remember when Pepsi had all of the cans, and I remember seeing yeah. Padme's uh-huh. can, and then Amidala's can. Oh, yeah. And just being like, so what? this is both Natalie Portman. And then just <laughs> immediately being like, what? Yeah. And not getting it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's another thing. You know, like living through it and remembering all that. They Again, they tried to goop us with this whole like Padme slash Amidala mm-hmm. dual character thing. And even – I feel like even watching it in the theater, I remember just going like, what? <laughs> like mm-hmm. kind of not getting the whole like I don't know. I think they made more of a more of a big deal out of it with things like keeping it a secret and the mm-hmm. different like Pepsi cans and the different action yeah. figures and things like that cuz there were Padme action figures of her as a like 
not a slave girl, but it's like, like what she goes uh, to to like around around Tatooine with. Yeah, that outfit mm-hmm. where she meets where she meets um, Anakin, mm-hmm. and then obviously like full full drag Padme. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just remember just being fascinated with the look of Amidala and all these costumes that you were seeing in the ad campaign, and just being so excited to see it. I want to get into before we get too far into the into yeah. the discussion. Yeah. When did you first watch episode one? Do you remember what theater you are? Do you remember who you were with? Okay. Uh, so me personally, as I am the uh, resident old person here, I saw this in the theater uh, with my uh, good friend Damien, and we were trying to get tickets uh, for opening night, and uh, it was sold out all over town. And we found a theater that had tickets for a 1 a.m. showing. Did you guys discuss ever camp, ever to go camp out hell, on Hollywood Boulevard? Hell no. <laughs> we were not going to go camp out on Hollywood Boulevard. We were excited to see it, but we were like, no, we were, we were too cool for Pete, that. Do you remember when we were just at, the Ch- at Man's Chinese Theater seeing some movie? I think that we were seeing Fences uh, for like a press screening geez, and yeah. Rogue One was coming oh, out. Oh, yeah. And we were just like, what are you all doing here? <laughs> Like, you're still camping out for these movies. Like, you don't have to do that anymore. Like, you, you don't have to do this anymore. And it's like a big thing. Yeah. Like, a, like big groups of people yeah. go to Hollywood Boulevard at Man's Chinese and they camp out for every movie. Regardless of, like, of... Choosing your seat ahead of mm-hmm. time and not having to do the lineups anymore. Would you ever line up for a Star Wars movie? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I've lined up for movies before, but it was like Transformers sure. or... Um, <laughs> Iron Man. Okay. But camping out overnight's pretty hardcore. That is hardcore. And I and again, I do remember, you know, watching on the news and you know, we're we're here in LA and we you know, we talk about that a lot and I do remember, you know, news stories about people camping out in front of the Chinese theater for days and weeks and all that and just being like, I'm stoked for this, but we'll go when we <laughs> we'll go when we go. Mm-hmm. Although I do have to say, we did see a one o'clock showing because we just didn't want to wait till the next day. We were like, it's Friday night. We're already out. Let's just, we'll just wait. We'll just see the, you know, we'll just hang out, see the one o'clock showing and mm-hmm. get out at, you know, three thirty or whatever got ungodly time. It was when we got out. And I have to say, uh, that me and my, and my best friend Damien, when we saw this movie, uh, we walked out and I think we were just trying to convince ourselves that it was, the best thing that we had ever seen. <laughs> and I think that we were just like, yeah, it was great. It was so cool. Just kind of shell-shocked by the whole experience. Yeah, because it was so different, you yeah. know? And I think now with all the with all the extra Star Wars content that there is, like Clone Wars and Rebels and, and movies like Rogue One and all that, there's a lot more of a rounded view of this universe. But at the time... You only all, had three movies. All we had yeah. was the original movies, and this was so different. You know, th- the next couple of days, we were just like, well, that wasn't very Star Wars, and this ship wasn't very Star Wars. But all leading up to it, you know, we had this um, this mystique around it. And I, I also specifically remember a trying to download the trailer uh, online to watch it at home, right? 
And this was in the days of dial-up. Oh, you got to you got to wait a while, bitch. We waited like almost two hours, and it was so choppy, like we could hardly see anything. And and me, I'll never forget it. It was me and Damon and our friend Mike and Delina, and we were in Mike's apartment, and we we're it was downloading, and you know, just us three idiots, just like drinking beers, crowded like, around a computer, crowded around this like CRT big ass monitor, you know. And um, yeah, just getting so excited for these this like patchy herky jerky like video that we saw, we couldn't make out anything, but we were just like, yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. And um, I mean, those those are the days when you really had to you know go to the movies to mm-hmm. see a trailer, you know. And, and uh, we did not buy tickets to see Wing Commander, yeah, starring Freddie Prince Jr. just to uh, see the. Phantom Menace, and trailer. that was a big deal. Is that people bought tickets out. to that terrible movie and then walked out right after, right after the trailers? I read the same thing and I couldn't believe that. I mean, uh, this Freddie Prince Jr. Matthew Lillard masterpiece, Wing Commander, mm-hmm. based on a PC video game, which was garbage to begin with. Sorry, Wing Commander fans out there, but uh, yeah, people, and I was specifically remember that happening and. Um, yeah, it's interesting because the friends that I was with at the time were big movie fans, just big movie fans in general, and they've kind of ended up a little bit in 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 the entertainment industry. And so it's just interesting that the you know the three or four of us were just kind of there. Like one of them actually produces movie trailers now. Yes, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, it was just interesting that just being us there, at like eighteen, nineteen, and. Um, being so excited for it and just like going out and buying the Vanity Fair. Like they still do Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. Every Star Wars movie has a Vanity Fair issue with all with these like beautiful photo shoots showing off all the like the costumes and the fashion and all that. And it was an Annie Leibovitz yeah. shot. And just seeing again all the stuff with Amidala and my guy friends at the time, you know, I was I was out to them for sure at, at that age, but it was definitely a time in my life when I wasn't kind of like overtly, you know, I was just kind of going with the flow. They knew what they, they knew and they were chill and whatever. But, you know, it was the 90s and I was still very much like, all right, dudes, whatever. You were like, work, bitch. No. Look at yeah, these photos. You know, and you couldn't because that was very, it was a different time. There was no drag race, whatever. So for me, it was just like, yeah, let's go to the whatever, you know, shitty straight bar and hang out with the because i wanted to hang out with the guys and i had a great time doing it but i was so interested in natalie portman and this character and all that and i had already had a huge crush on ewan mcgregor and i was so excited for ewan mcgregor as obi-wan kenobi and i mean here we are 20 how many years later still can hit it ewan mcgregor oh my god still can hit it shit yeah, I took notes. Uh, first note, it, it says Ewan McGregor, uh, <laughs> Liam Neeson. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. Perfect the daddy and son them. couple. Gee. I have a bad feeling about this. I don't sense anything. It's not about the mission master. It's something elsewhere. Elusive. Don't center on your anxieties, Obi-Wan. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. But Master Yoda said I should be mindful of the future. But not at the expense of the moment. Be mindful of the living force, young Padawan. Yes, Master. 
by the way, your notes, these handwritten notes, I'm like, I'm, I'm loving this penmanship. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, do you want to hear? Okay. So I remember, well, I was trying to think last night when I first watched this trailer, because yeah. I'm positive I did not stream this trailer. I would have had to have seen it yeah. in the theater. Okay. And I'm trying to think, okay, like, what was I doing? This trailer probably would have come out. February, March. I think Wim Commander was like an early release movie in like February. Oh, I don't know. You're good at all that stuff. I, I think like, that no. I would have had to have seen this attached to either Forces of Nature with Ben Affleck <laughs> and Sandra Bullock or <laughs> 10 Things I Hate About You. Okay, yeah, yeah. So like, and that would attract of okay. like those probably would have been yeah. on those reels for those, for those two movies. Yeah. But I think that I had to wait until like june or maybe even july to see this movie because i'm from a small town we did not get this movie right away just because we only have one movie screen and uh i mean that's just really not how theater distribution works like you don't always get brand new movies when you live in a small town so i had to watch this movie when i was traveling to southern california with my family and I'm pretty sure that I saw this movie at the Ontario Mills Mall. Sure. I'm kind of like a weird rain man when it comes to <laughs> what movie theater I saw what movie in. I'm really good at it. Yeah. Um, but it's just like the blur of Southern California. But then when I kind of put the pieces together in my mind, there was a giant mall attached to it. Yeah. And it would have probably have been the Ontario Mills Mall. Okay. Work. Yeah. Give it up for the Inland Empire. So, yeah. I saw this movie... Uh, probably at about a month and a half. Uh-huh. And just imagine me being like 13 years old and seeing all of the ad campaign for this movie. We were just watching the MTV news special on this movie, oh, which I definitely remember watching. Yeah. But just having to wait. Yeah. That I couldn't immediately go see it. Yeah. And we lived like 100 miles away from like a multiplex. Yeah. And my parents weren't going to drive me for the day. I'm surprised so the last time theater wasn't just like trying to make that money and just put it in their in their... On their one screen. It would yeah. have made money there. Mm-hmm. Well, is this a movie that you revisit very often, Nick? Because we sure as hell do. We watch yes, it we do. No, I <laughs> definitely do. Um, okay. So when I met my fiance, again, boyfriend at the time, uh, uh-huh. I, I kind of go into a little bit of a story. So uh, we met at a movie theater. We went and saw Spider-Man Far From Home. And as we were walking out of the theater, uh, we'd realized we'd parked right next to each other. And um, same car and everything, same Honda Civic hatchback. Oh, wow. Um, but he had uh, two Star Wars stickers on his car, one that said support the troops, and it had a bunch <laughs> of stormtroopers <laughs> on it, and then um, an Imperial logo. And that kind of, like, sparked our conversation. Um, and it kind of sparked my our, our relationship and then my love for Star Wars again. So I kind of put it down for a few years. Um, but meeting him, we kind of got back into it really heavy. And next thing you know, we're watching the trilogy like three or four times a year. Nice. Well, I say trilogy, um, all three trilogies, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, I definitely revisit this one a lot. Um, mostly because of Darth Maul. Uh, oh, of course, Queen Amidala. Yeah. Um, love those characters. The Darth Maul yeah. scenes are so fucking rad. They're, they're cool. They movie. hold up. Those, they hold those up. lightsaber fights are amazing. Um, I, I love that you guys watch them a lot because it's that thing when, you know, especially when the, the sequel trilogy, um, Force Awakens and uh, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, when those were coming out, I would often hear from, you know, coworkers or whatever, like, I'm going to rent like the old Star Wars movies to like get ready for the new one. I'm like, that's cute. We're going to marathon them this weekend. <laughs> yeah, we're going to watch all three. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're just on rotation yeah. in our household. That, yeah, that's cute. Yeah, casually. <laughs> yeah. I, we have like, we have um, 
Actually, I don't have the DVDs anymore. Of you don't uh, even have episode one in this. I in... have I have episode one, two, and three on DVD. Okay, but my original trilogy DVDs I gave to my oh sure a yeah. long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that has the best doc on it too. It that has Empire of Dreams. Yes, but it's all on Disney Plus now. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we got we we can watch it all in 4K on Disney Plus. But uh, yeah, I love that love that you rewatch them because we definitely and Phantom Menace is one that's just so like the story is convoluted. Kind of. I mean, you know what kids love is a good like Senate scene. <laughs> talking about talking about trade embargoes, <laughs> tariff taxations, and all that, and but, votes of no confidence. Exactly. But at the same time, it is kind of an easy watch. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't give a shit about Jar Jar Binks. I'm not like here to like denounce like that character. Like whatever. Yeah. Ju- I th- justice I th- for Jar Jar. I kind He's of fine. think. <laughs> Yeah, just the whole, like, Jar Jar fallout, which we don't have to get too into because I really don't want to rehash all of that. But it's one of those things that, like, I don't really care anymore. I think there was a time when I was in high school that I pretended like I was too cool for episode one. Yeah. When you started to see the fallout of all these movies. Uh And I remember not really liking episodes two and three at the time that I saw them in the theater. But it's one of those things that after the sequel trilogy, when I revisit the prequel movies, I find them very charming. Yeah. Well, you know, there's another thing, too. Um, I follow a lot of Star Wars, like, meme accounts on Instagram. Do you follow any of those? Oh, definitely. Yeah, because he doesn't. And so, like, every now and then I'll send him something, and I'm like, dude, the prequel trilogy, like... They're huge. There's a lot of material There's there. There's so much love for Hayden Christensen. There's like all these like really funny like Jar Jar. Like there's so many Star Wars meme accounts and they're great. I think my favorite one is Jar Jar being like the start of the Empire. Oh, he yeah. obviously gave Palpatine, you know, some <laughs> extra power. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He inadvertently kind of like started all this, sh- all this shit with his like, I think, did he do a vote of no confidence? No, he did the emergency powers. Yeah. Mm-hmm, he did. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, there's uh it's it's crazy how there's like this new life that's come into you know, because coming from seeing them originally in theaters, like we were saying, there was that backlash initially if that they're not Star Wars, they're you know, they're just they're totally different. George Lucas had too much power. You know, there's those famous YouTube videos, uh, Red Letter Media. Yeah, and he he kind of dissects all of the movies in like a in like an hour video yeah. or something. Are you yeah. familiar with these red letter media videos? I'm not. Okay. This YouTuber, and this is very early days of YouTube, like very early days of YouTube. He dissected the original trilogy and would, and I think that his videos uh, all combined were longer than the movies themselves. Like mm-hmm. his, his, his video on episode one is like two and a half hours long. And he makes some valid points, but I think after if you were to watch them now, they would be a little a little dated. And I think the fans have kind of come back around and re kind of embraced the the prequels as 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 just being fun. I mean, it's Star Wars; it's not supposed to be anything. They're fun, and it's George Lucas clearly trying something different. And kind of some of the main criticisms for the sequel trilogy is that they are just rehashing the first three movies. In all of them. That the prequels really tried to do something new in each yeah. movie. Yeah. What do you what is your take on, you know, Rise of Skywalker and, and Ray and, and all of that? 
so I'm not a fan of yeah. the sequel trilogy whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Um, I think yeah. that they're good watches in the moment when you're sitting in the theater, but then like you buy the 4K disc and you put it in and you're like, this is garbage, mama. Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> borderline unwatchable when we got it in 4K. <laughs> yeah, I think the only reason I watched Rise of Skywalker is to see Palpatine. Yeah, right. Yeah. And like, you know, Ray is like... It's it's great to to make the protagonist female, you know. Like I said, there's you know there's a lack of female characters in Star Wars, um, and it's and it's great. But I feel like she's just too damn powerful. Yeah, well, too powerful and has hardly any character development. Yeah, so I mean, she's an expert pilot right away. She's yeah. just perfect, perfect with the force, a lightsaber. I'm like. There's no internal struggle. Yeah. I mean, two seconds in um, Rise of Skywalker, we see Darth Ray, and that's really it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And, you know, I don't know if it's like – I don't know if it's shade or what, but there are two instances in The Mandalorian where the only two Jedi characters, Ahsoka and Luke, referring to you know referring to Grogu, to Baby Yoda – and saying that, yes, he's powerful, but without training, that power means nothing. Yeah. And it's like, was that a read? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> it might be. Because I feel like Dave Filoni, who's the showrunner for you know The Mandalorian as well as um, Clone Wars, I feel like he's that guy. Like, I feel like he's the one that's going to be like, you know what? (laughs) These last movies. We made some mistakes. Yeah. These last three were a mess. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of call that shit out. (laughs) What do you think about the controversy with Rose Tico? You know. What is this? I'm not familiar. Rose Tico. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah. You know, while her character is kind of crazy and I'm, you know, the character alone is, I don't know. That subplot of The Last Jedi kind of drives me nuts. It just, it sucks, you know? She's just in there Mm -hmm. trying to, like, play this role, and I feel like, you know... She was kind of just set up for failure going into it. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, fandoms, any kind of fandom, you know, uh, but these really hardcore niche fandoms, you know, be it Star Wars, The Simpsons, RuPaul's Drag Race, it can turn into this toxic thing where these people just go too far, you know, with these opinions. And I think, well, the character of Rose may not be my favorite character. I feel like the kind of shit that Kelly Marie Tran, the person got was a little crazy, right? Yeah. A little bit excessive. Yeah. A little bit excessive. And it's like, is it all misogynist because she's a woman? Quite possibly. Yeah. You know, is it racist because she's Asian? Almost definitely, you know? Um, So it's hard. And it's hard to see a fandom of something that you really like go in this direction. You know, I I had problems with that, you know, when it was was first happening. But, you know, the Star Wars fandom did it to Jake Lloyd. You know, it did it to Hayden Christensen. Did it to Kelly Marie Tran. Um, uh, Ray... um, Daisy Ridley. Daisy Ridley. I think that she ended up deleting her Instagram she account. She deleted her social mm-hmm. medias for a while. It was not to the extent of, you know, with, with Rose, but she deleted her social media. You know, it's like it's done that to a lot of um, people involved with it. And it, it sucks when it goes there, when it's a fandom that you're like, you know, 
a part of, you know, but it's just like, I, I don't know. What did you think of all that? Um, the Star Wars fandom, like you said, they're really, they're really extreme, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you have any fandom, you're going to have the fans that are going to love everything that this, the series or the, the franchise puts out. And you're going to have fans that are like, they're going to hate anything new essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I honestly, I felt bad for both of them. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't a big fan of Ray, but I don't think she deserved um, half the backlash she received. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, especially when for the actors, it's like they're coming in, they're taking a role. It's it's Star Wars. It's given to them. And it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And when you get locked into three movies like she did, it's like the character's going to go in a certain direction. And I think that kind of like John John Boyega, oh, sort yeah. of, I think that when John, Bo- John, John was cast in Force Awakens, I think yeah. that he was probably sold something very different than what kind of became of that character yeah and i think that he said that in interviews too i was really hoping he'd play a bigger role in the the franchise yeah definitely and it's like they they hinted at things for his character to go in a certain way and it's like is he force sensitive kind of maybe but then he never gets to even say it out loud it's like what so yeah i think there's a lot of wasted opportunities with with john boyega um and then it's like it comes out that you know that Oscar Isaac's character, that Poe Dameron was originally supposed to die in the first movie, but they just really liked Oscar Isaac, so they kept him in. But it was like, but where? But what did they do with that character in the other two movies? Yeah, yeah. but Poe Dameron is just such a weird kind of throwaway character. Yeah, I felt he was kind of wasted in um, the second one. Oh gosh, uh, yeah. the Last Jedi. Last Jedi for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, we can we can talk all day let's, about our problems with the sequel. Let's get into <laughs> let's get into the casting of That's Ewan. Another show. Yeah, let's get yeah. into the casting of Ewan and Liam. Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson. Yeah, yes. Let's so please talk. About I remember this. when I'm pretty sure that I was familiar with Ewan McGregor going into this movie, just okay. because I think that I don't know if I would have seen Train Spotting, but I think I was familiar with it as a movie. Uh-huh. And I think that he had done some other big crossover movies in America. But I remember Liam Neeson. I specifically remember flipping through my dad's Playboy. Just because <laughs> my dad got Playboy, I grew up reading I grew up reading the articles, the celebrity interviews, reading Look, all the movie reviews. Looking at them titties. Looking at those boobies. Like, I loved the Playmate Q&A. Like, when you fold it out. Like, I grew up reading Playboy. And I remember... So you were reading it for the articles? I was reading it for everything. The jokes, the articles, like... To look at the gorgeous women, but I remember they did a profile of Liam Neeson mm-hmm. right when the casting was announced in '98, and I remember the picture that they got of Liam Neeson made me so horny as a kid. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god! It is a picture of him lying. Uh, he is lying on this rock with this denim shirt, and he's not wearing pants. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I found the picture yes, you did. when we were watching it the other day. And he's I'll post it like, on Instagram. It looks like he's wearing briefs, but the way his legs are positioned... But he doesn't look like he's wearing any underwear. Yeah, it looks... His legs are positioned in such a way that it looks like he's just wearing an open shirt and nothing else. But, yeah. But, yeah, just like... Well, I mean, let me tell you this much. Before Phantom Menace came out, Ewan McGregor had been in not only Velvet Goldmine, but also Train Spotting, And you see his dick in both. Both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, we're talking about dick now, yeah. mom. If you're listening, I am so sorry. But yeah, it's just it's just Ewan McGregor. That it's, picture it's of Liam Neeson just did it for me. 
Like, I just no, thought yeah. he was like, who is this daddy? Yeah. As I was like 12 years old. Okay, Ewan McGregor, he's a very handsome man. He's Irish. He's like 6'4". You know, he's like a big dude. And um, Ewan McGregor or... Uh, I'm sorry, Liam, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Yeah. Liam Neeson. Um, had uh, Schindler's List yes. come out Schindler's already. List came out in 94. So yeah, so Ewan McGregor... Yeah. Or, so Liam Neeson, to me, Liam Neeson was this like prestige actor, right? He was this like... Rob Roy... Yeah. Had come out a few years before but, this. But yeah. also definitely very handsome. I remember him from this movie uh, in the 80s. It's an 80s movie called uh, High Spirits, and he plays uh, a ghost in High Spirits. I thought you were going to say Crawl. Well, also He's Krull. also in Crawl. He's also in Crawl, which is a sci-fi uh, movie from the 80s. Uh, and uh, he's, he gets to use his Irish accent in both of those movies. And he's just like... This, just this big imposing guy, and he's got this Irish accent, very sexy. Uh, Ewan McGregor, like I said, <clears throat> had a lot of indie cred. I knew him from uh, I saw Train Spotting. My friends and I were very into Train Spotting. Uh, we we're uh, very into Velvet Goldmine because the music in Velvet Goldmine is amazing. Just all this, uh, you know, glam rock, you know, 70s music mm-hmm. in Velvet Goldmine. And I just thought that he was just super cute. Ewan McGregor is Scottish. So he's got this really cool accent. Yeah. And um, I thought it was just a a really smart move to have him play Obi-Wan Kenobi. And all we knew of this character is Alec Guinness, this like older, Mm -hmm. this older man. And Ewan can pass as a young Alex Guinness too. He does the voice really well. Yeah. Um, Nowadays, it's funny because uh, going back to the Star Wars memes, there's there's a lot of memes going on about like, the 20 years passing between certain characters and it goes from Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness. <laughs> and he just turns into this old man where, you know, Jimmy Smith's who plays, um, who plays princess Leia's stepfather. Yeah. From Alderaan. Yes. He, oh, Bail Organa. Bail Organa. Yes. He is in rogue one, which takes place like five minutes before, you know, uh, before new hope. And it's the same actor from, you know, uh, from Revenge of the Sith and uh, and Rogue One. So he hasn't really aged that much. He just has a couple of bags under his eyes. But then Ewan McGregor goes to like boom, Alec Guinness in like two in like uh, one movie. We'll see. I mean, I, I'm excited for this Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, yeah, I think series. it's gonna be rad. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Ewan McGregor again, great actor. Yeah. Um, my first uh, interaction with him, I guess, it is the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recently just watched him in Halston. So mm, when I was doing the rewatch this movie, yeah. all I could think about is Halston. <laughs> just doing that also, voice. Also, yeah. Ewan McGregor has played gay like four times. He yes. really has, especially yeah. in Birds of Prey. Yes. He's really good in Birds of Prey. Yeah. Super hot. I love you, Philip too. Morris. What's the oh, other yeah, one, too? Philip Morris. With Jim Carrey. Yeah. And, um, hmm. yeah, we'll have to go back and, and look through it. I think his character is bisexual in Velvet Goldmine. Yeah. I think he definitely makes out with Christian Bale mm-hmm. in Velvet Goldmine. Um, uh, Nick, so FYI, I sent you the pictures that I found of Liam Neeson. And I just saw those. <laughs> From Playboy, yeah. Very spicy. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so I'm glad you mentioned Schindler's List uh, because, obviously, Spielberg was working on yes. Jurassic Park right before that. Yeah. And uh, I know we were talking, uh, Scott, we were talking about movies that made us. Yeah. Um, and, and the new season, Jurassic Park being one of the episodes. Yeah. Um, Spielberg having to leave that movie early to go work on Schindler's List. And uh, George Lucas went to work on Jurassic Park. Shot back to back. Gave him- yep. That's insane. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, and it gave him the idea to to do Phantom Menace. That's so crazy. I feel like, um, oh, it's not in Phantom Menace. It's actually in the uh, special edition of New Hope when they ride up to Tatooine and they extended the drive into Tatooine. In New I know Hope. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah and they added all the, that big Ronto. There's a big Ronto that's like a big giant dinosaur looking thing. And it's like, it's the model for the Brachiosaurus in Jurassic Oh, interesting. Park okay. That they just kind of like squished and stretched and like re reconnoitered sure. and turned it and into And he even like Ronto. jumps up on his hind legs too. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. With the big, with the, with the, with the little uh, dink, dink, dink. What are they called? Oh, <laughs> from Spaceballs. That's a Spaceballs reference. Are you familiar? Did you have you seen Spaceballs, Mel Brooks? I've seen it one time. Okay. I'm not a fan. I mean, that's the thing. The, if if you did not if you did not watch Spaceballs when you were like eight yeah, years old, I don't old, know how that movie would go it's, it's would not, go down yeah. as an adult if you were watching it. Yeah, it's kind of stupid. <laughs> It is. So I get it. I get it. Not being, yeah, not being a favorite. If if you if you're introduced to it as an adult, but um, the Jawas, yeah. So yeah, that's so that's so wild about just like I can't imagine the conversations that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg just kind of like randomly bouncing like ideas what, off each other. Like what are sure. they what are they texting each other? Just like hey, did you watch White Lotus? Like I don't know. <laughs> like what? Are yeah. They, like like what? Are the, what are the conversations? What are they talking I mean, about? I like to think that it's a big group text of Spielberg. They got Robert, Lucas. Robert Zemeckis in there. Well, no, not Robert Zemeckis because he didn't sort of come up with them oh, in the seventies. Okay. It would have been Spielberg, Lucas, Coppola, Coppola, yeah, Scorsese, yeah, yeah. I like. I want to be in on that like WhatsApp chain. Coppola doesn't know how to text on a smartphone. He doesn't know how to use a smartphone. No. Scorsese either. It's just like all like misspellings and random nonsense. Scorsese has someone to text for him. Absolutely. Or he just does like voice to text and it just comes out all garbled. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm very interested in this this conversation. But yeah, uh, you know, Liam Neeson was, like I said, prestige actor coming off Schindler's List. Ewan McGregor was very like hot shit at the time. Mm -hmm. Train spotting was very edgy, you know, uh, Velvet Goldmine also. Very, you know, independent movie darling. You and McGregor. And you know who was very close to being Obi-Wan was I was reading Joseph Fiennes. Oh, was yes. Was more or less cast, and then they let him go. In my book, The Art of Star Wars, all of the Obi-Wan Kenobi drawings are Joseph Fiennes' face. Yeah. So at, at least made it, made it to pre-production with the, with the concept art. Yes, yes. And, um, and then also Natalie Portman, I feel like coming off of The Professional – Coming off the prof- the professional beautiful girls, I remember her being a big deal in that movie. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. this child actor with this face. Like, get out of here! A really good range. Congratulations too. on that yep. face. But yeah, she uh, you know she got such great you know glowing reviews for for the professional and, and even beautiful girls. You know they kind of scooped her up. So these three leads are just kind of the hottest thing in Hollywood at this mm-hmm. time. Thinking about Natalie Portman, though, I I saw Lee on the Professional probably like ten years ago. So mm-hmm. I, I was I was in high school. And I couldn't believe that that was done before Star Wars. So looking yeah. at her acting in that and and seeing her in Phantom Menace, Phantom Menace, I was yeah. like, Phantom Menace is easy compared to Lee on the Professional. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why you know. I kind of know p- some people who kind of have a little bit of attitude about her, and they're just like, "Oh, Natalie sure. Portman, she's not a great actress, whatever." And I think they're basing it off of like Phantom Menace, really. And it's like, 
but did you see like Phantom Menace and like Attack of the Clones? Because I know that some of those scenes with Hayden are a little are a little choppy, a little clunky. Yeah, but I love it anyway. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I but it. George Lucas really doesn't have a reputation of being really good with actors. Like he's yeah. a very visual director. Do you know what's also wild that I have to remind myself? Huh. Uh, Phantom Menace was. Uh, his directorial follow-up from A New Hope. He had not directed a movie since 1977. Wow. Which is wild. Yeah. Like, you just assume that there has to be something in there, but no, he just produced everything. Yeah, he didn't direct the other two. Wow, that's amazing. But Um, just had his hands in, like, everything from, like, Willow to producing for television. Yeah, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, I mean, yeah, and I feel like some of the problems that people have with with the prequels is the is the the acting, right? And but I think any of the problems that you have with acting kind of comes from the script. It's it's a dense world that he's building. There's a lot going on. And and I always have to I always have to bring it back to the Clone Wars. I'm like, when you watch the Clone Wars, you really see like this whole world. Like it makes so much more sense. But um we should talk about Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> well, I was going to say either Jar Jar Binks or um, a little bit about Anakin. Oh, yeah. We got to talk about I feel Jake. like when, you, when you revisit this movie and Jake Lloyd's like very cutesy child performance, it's because mm-hmm. it's like Jake Lloyd was like a child actor. He had been unhooked the stars with Marissa Tomei and Jenna Rollins right oh, wow. before this movie. So, I mean, he was just sort of this commercial child actor. So yeah. you really can't blame him for being overly cutesy but i think that when you revisit this movie and you really think man they should have cast someone around natalie's age for this role yes i think that it would have gone down so i think that it would have been different and better for the material if they would have matched natalie with someone her age i think natalie was 16 uh, when she was filming and and he was like eight Now, okay, granted, Amidala is supposed to be 14 in the elected queen of Naboo. I have a lot of questions <laughs> about that. I mean, we won't even uh, – <laughs> we can touch that. But just for, you know, for all intents and purposes, her character is 14 and his character is, I want to say, 10 or maybe 9. I think his character is 9. So there's there's a five-year age gap. But actually, there's a quite a larger age gap between the actors. Um, yeah, I again, I, I have this uh, in my VHS copy that I bought of the Phantom Menace. I got like this deluxe special edition job, and it came with a book with like uh, concept drawings, and all the concept drawings for Anakin. He looked like like 13 or 14 years mm-hmm. old. You know, he looked like he was that age. But then. When you see all the all the kids that read for it in in um, Empire Ma- of Dreams, Michael Argolano, no, right, <laughs> no, Michael Angarano from uh, Will and Grace, yeah, wasn't he pretty close to being Anakin? Yes, um, but yeah, they were all around this this really young. They were mm-hmm. all around like eight or nine years old. So I don't know what the decision was to make their age gap. So why? Do you think that it was just kind of Lucas knowing, like, this is a kid's movie. I'm going to put the kid as mini Darth Vader. Just sort of like, it has to be a child. Yeah, to make, like, the younger the better. Mm -hmm. I think there would have been a total tone switch if he was a little bit older. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a tone switch that I think would 
be in service of the material a little better, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And, and uh, maybe he just kind of thought like, well, by the se- by the time we get to the next movie, I'm gonna j- I'm, we're gonna jump ahead ten years. Sure, we're so gonna change actors. At that point, it won't even be noticeable anymore. And it's not really like by the time no. Hayden comes in, it's like, okay, they're both, you know, teenagers or whatever. But I think at that point, it's a ten year jump. So she's supposed to be twenty four. And he's supposed to be 19, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, with some of my straight coworkers at TJ's, uh-huh. we quote Anakin lines a lot. Whenever, Yip- whenever we get to leave early, <laughs> say like, yippee! <laughs> or, or just randomly <laughs> ask each other, are you an angel? Oh, man. Does that line work? That's I have that written down. I'm like, does that line work? No, it does not work. <laughs> and it's just like, God bless Jake Lloyd, but the, just that cutesy child delivery of, yeah. are you an angel? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I know that they try to tie in like characters and things in the ex- like expanded universe. And there is an episode of Clone Wars where they're on a planet and this alien lady looks like an angel. So I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they named the planet from what he said. But I don't know. What? Like, what? It, do- it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But, um... And then her performance against him is so weird, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, her delivery when she's... When she says lines against Jake Lloyd is very much like... It feels like she's talking to a very small child. She's waiting so. for him to sort of catch up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like maternal. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Those scenes of Natalie when they get off the ship and they're walking towards... Uh, what's the what's the town in Tatooine? Uh, well, it's actually not Mos Eisley. It's not Mos Eisley? It's, okay. It's Mos Espa. Mos Espa. But that's like some but, deep cut but shit But just right those shots of Natalie when she's standing next to Liam and Natalie looks so miserable because you can tell like <laughs> oh they shot this in tunisia and it is probably 120 and just what natalie is wearing she's wearing all this makeup and you could tell the look on natalie's face is that she's just like oh my god she's like get me out of here get yeah. me out of here like i hope this take is like short well she's also wearing like knitted like a knitted yeah vest, but just like, like wool, poor girl she like, just looks yeah. so miserable in those scenes yeah unfortunate and then against liam neeson who like I, again i said is like six four and natalie portman is a small girl mm-hmm. she just looks like this little child next to him you know with with like r2d2 just like riding alongside um but yeah the the scenes with the scenes with jake lloyd you know i don't know mm-hmm well, I want to talk about Keira Knightley really quick. Oh, okay. yeah. Yes. I want yes, to talk about sort you. of like the dual like casting with thank him. I, bringing... I always think that's I always think it's interesting. Thank you for bringing And I remember so... when Pirates came out just being like that's Keira Knightley in episode <laughs> 1. So I didn't realize it was Keira Knightley until like 2 years ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she looks fantastic. I mean, they look the same essentially. Like they they, they literally mimic each other. I thought like Practically, I think around the same time. Like I thought, all these years, I thought they, you, you know, when she's in the black dress with the feather headdress on, that's Kira the whole time. Natalie, this one, yes, this. I have the doll. <laughs> this, <laughs> I love that. Natalie Portman does not wear this dress for one minute in the movie. It's, it's all, Kira. all Kira. And I remember sitting in the movie theater going. Because you can see – they specifically frame it so that you can see Natalie Portman over her shoulder to kind of throw us off. And so I was always like 
oh, they must have just done like some split screen mm-hmm. kind of. They shot it twice work. and then they sort yeah. of matched the shots in post. Yeah, doing some like uh, not freaky parent Friday. trap. Parent trap. Well, yeah, thank you. I was gonna say not freaky Friday. Doing some parent trap action on us, but like lo and behold, it was Kira Knightley all this time. And you know when Kira Knightley did start coming up, like on Pirates and Love Actually and all that, I was like, she looks like a very thin British. Natalie Portman, and like lo and behold, that's exactly what the casting agents <laughs> yeah. thought at yeah, the time. Yeah, that casting was perfect. Yeah, yeah. How do they find this girl? I mean, it's probably one of those things that she probably just had her mom bring her into casting when they were doing Padme, and they're like that one, and then they just sort of like match these two actresses together, and then yeah. just figured we can use her for the decoy. Yeah. My favorite moment with uh, Natalie and Kira is when she's like commending r2d2 and she's just like padme go clean this droid do you think that she was just mad at like like padme of just like here queen i love go and like go and go and clean this droid yeah that's that's an amazing moment um we do finally see kira out of makeup at the very end in that last final parade like shot she's up on the stage with them um, which I don't think I ever actually noticed. Is that the scene that Sofia Coppola is in, too? No. Sofia Coppola is, uh, she's one of the handmaids when they, uh, Kira is in the black dress. Okay. And they're just about to go into the hangar to break out uh, the pilots that are kind of like captured. And they're talking to uh, the old guy with the long like santa claus beard um and it's a kind of a split screen and you can see you can see kira you can see natalie right over her shoulder and then in the back in like a soft focus you can see sofia coppola in the full and they're wearing they're wearing the like orange like orange sherbet orange sherbet like into like yeah like ombre into yellow what padme goes and cleans r2d2 what she's wearing is she wearing that yeah she's wearing that yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you can see Sofia Coppola in, in, in that shot. And I feel like aren't, like, the Backstreet Boys in there somewhere? <laughs> 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 I don't know if it's this one or the next one. I feel like they threw in people, like, dressed mm-hmm. up as, like, guards and stormtroopers sure. and stuff. Well, you do know that E.T.'s in uh, Venom Menace. Yeah. <laughs> I was joking if there's, like, a xenomorph little pod in that senate scene and just the xenomorphs just like fucking everything up i or like or like stitch or something just like back there just like just <laughs> destroying all these like senate pods i could see it <laughs> they, they'll like that'll be like the next special edition release i think i may be crazy but i thought that there that there was like the aliens from alien like like the xenomorphs. That's on imdb trivia but i don't know if it's true though. or it, maybe it's a deleted scene or like a special edition thing that didn't make it in the final cut maybe they just did it for fun mm-hmm. we'll look that up but um if there's a screen grab for it i would love to see it i'll, I'll find it i'll find it okay so we got uh we got our main cast that we're talking about we have to we talked a little bit about fan backlash and all of that uh i mean are you talking about jar jar well yeah i was gonna say like jake lloyd pretty much quit acting and Mm -hmm. and to this day kind of talks about struggling with you know you know mental health mental health being bullied when he went to high school yeah Mm -hmm. um but i mean you want to talk about toxic fandom yeah mental health we got to talk about at best best, this poor guy you know 
going through like contemplating suicide, like quit, you know, almost quitting his, you know, acting career and all that for this character that, I mean, nothing like this character had ever been done in movies before, too. You mean a, a full CG motion yeah. capture character? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't hate Jar Jar, whatever. He's there. <laughs> did you like as a kid were you just like ah oh, screw that guy or did you think it was oh, funny like what oh definitely no i could not stand jar jar <laughs> yeah. um, i like him now he, he, he plays a role right he's important yeah he's a contributing factor <laughs> but back then i was like no fuck this guy <laughs> is he is he queer coded maybe uh, <laughs> is he like a like a gay jamaican resident of Gungan, Naboo? maybe yeah, i don't know i don't know i mean that's a whole other conversation the weird like race baiting with this movie but um have you heard have either of you two heard the story about george lucas introducing ahmed best to michael jackson i think no. i've, I've okay. listened to podcasts where ahmed's talked about it okay yeah so i guess uh michael jackson was in close contact with george lucas and he really wanted to be a part of phantom menace and he thought that did Dar- george lucas do captain neo or like, did he produce it? Probably, yeah, he produced yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Michael Jackson knows like Steven Spielberg, like from the Goonies days and all that. So he thought that Michael Jackson thought that he would be a great fit for Jar Jar Binks, right? And he keeps telling George Lucas, "I want to be Jar Jar Binks. I want to be in the movie. Make me Jar Jar Binks." Hey, George, <laughs> I want to be Jar Jar. Hey, George, very good. <laughs> Michael, is that you? I got the Ouija board out. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> George Lucas. Uh, Says, sure, whatever. No intention of hiring him. Hires Ahmed Best. Takes Ahmed Best to a Michael Jackson concert. Takes him backstage. I think that they were with Natalie at the time. Probably with Natalie Portman at the time. Takes them all backstage to meet Michael Jackson. And he says, Michael, meet Jar Jar Binks. Without telling, like, he had never told him that it was cast. That's kind of shady. Never really brushed him (laughs) off and said, you know, anything about, like, not being able to audition or anything. He just says, meet Jar Jar Binks to Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson was, like, super rude to Ahmed Best because he wanted the role. And he just kind of essentially told him right then and there, like, you're not getting it. This guy's getting it. Could you picture Michael Jackson in the role of Jar Jar? Oh my god, that would have been wild. Misa, Just like <laughs> moonwalking, break dancing all over the place. I, I mean, Michael Jackson as a physical performer. I don't know. Maybe the physicality could have been cool, but that voice. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been wild. And they got uh, Ahmed. I believe that he was in Stomp. He came from dance. Yes, he came yep, from because they wanted a very physical from actor to do Jar Jar. Yes, he came from Broadway. So, yeah, I mean, the character's weird. It's 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 definitely annoying when we do watch it, when we do do, you know, rewatch the movie every now and then. We're just like, "Oh, what's going on with this this dialogue, this weird pigeon?" Like so, I remember when the novelization came out. I've pretty uh-huh. much have only read one novelization of Star Wars, and I read episode the episode one novelization by Terry Brooks. <laughs> and I remember there were various covers that you could get, okay. and I was just like, "Well, I'm clearly going to get the Natalie Portman cover." And it was <laughs> Natalie Portman on the front and Jar Jar on the back. Oh, okay. so I'm just like, "Well, I guess I'll just also get the. I guess I have to get the Jar Jar one, sure, too." So, yep. What, I mean, it had to be Amidala 
upbeat face, yeah. white makeup, mm-hmm. kabuki. My favorite Amadala look, I think, is like her opening look. Her opening look, yeah, mm-hmm. I like that one. Yeah. I have I have a tiny action figure of that. Oh, we also have. Oh, yeah, we have the fashion doll. We have the that. fashion doll too. And <laughs> the do fashion- you guys remember the uh, Taco Bell, um, yes. KFC Pizza Hut cups? <laughs> of course, it had like the Amidala topper on mm-hmm. it. <laughs> so my mom had that, and that's like the only um, memory I have of living in like a, a childhood apartment is that Queen uh, Amidala cup. Love it. <laughs> Did a straw come out of the top of her head? I believe it came or, out of the back, the back of her head. Of her head. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> That's amazing. There was some crazy merch. For oh this my movie. god! I remember I was at my grandma's house, and the all of the merch was on QVC one afternoon, and oh, just okay. like sitting down for like an hour and a half and just watching Star Wars Episode One merch. It was oh, so great. Love it. Wow. Mm-hmm. You didn't buy any of it. No, <laughs> but I mean, I I definitely had a few of the action figures. I think. Okay. Okay. I I think I may have got the Obi Wan one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, when I, oh no, go ahead. Oh, so I was around four or five when I, I first saw this movie. Um, I think Attack of the Clones is about to come out, mm-hmm. so all the toys are out. So I can remember going to KB Toys and um, seeing all the Attack of Clones, <laughs> Attack of the Clone toys, but uh, no Phantom Menace toys. I, I don't think I picked any of those up until. Probably like five years ago. Oh, okay. Um, I purchased Phantom Menace toys at the time, right? And I have uh, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and uh, Mace Windu, right? So I bought the Sam Jackson one because I was just like, I got to get the Sam Jackson action figure. Like, it's Sam Jackson, right? Even at the time, he wasn't that big. But I was like, all right, Pulp Fiction had already been a thing. So I was like, he's cool. I'm going to get this. So I buy this uh, Mace Windu. And I still have him. And I never took him out of the, like, case, right? And Mace Windu doesn't do a lot in this movie. Mm -hmm. Sits around. Talks to Yoda. Talks to Yoda. Looks at Yoda. Gives Yoda side eye. Pretty much all he does. Doesn't get his lightsaber until Attack of the Clones. And we get the famous purple lightsaber, right? But the action figures came with lightsabers because they're Jedi, right? So they want you to play, you know, play Star Wars and, you know, play with these Jedi with their lightsabers. So my my Mace Windu action figure has a blue lightsaber. Oh, interesting. So it contradicts the canon. Yes. Yes, indeed. So, I don't how know much how is I feel worth? about that. It's is so it, interesting. Is it worth anything? Is, how much Not is it worth? at all. No? <laughs> oh, okay. Like $9. Yeah. <laughs> if that. Um, but yeah, is it, I think it's kind of an interesting thing. Like once Attack of the Clones and all the whole big deal with this purple lightsaber came out, I was like, wait a minute. And I went and I pulled out that guy and I was like, oh, look at that. Blue lightsaber. How about that? I'll do a, I'll do a quick little Google search and see if he's worth anything. Probably not. Mm-hmm. So, Okay. Where are we? We what do we what do we still need to address? We have to talk about. Do you want to talk a little bit about Ray Park and Darth Maul? Because oh, yeah. I mean, I remember him being kind of a big showcase of the ad campaign for this movie, and we always discuss of it. Was it a good idea to reveal the double sided lightsaber in marketing? Would it have been cooler to have seen it in the theater? I was thinking about this, and I think that you kind of have to lead with it because there's so much of his scenes where you see it. 
and they probably just knew in marketing that we need to cut that fight scene in to the trailers and TV spots. Yeah. That's probably like the reasoning behind it. But could you imagine if they didn't do that? And, and oh, it would have been so cool. Uh, experience it with the red, the double lightsaber is in theater. I would have lost my mind. That would have been so rad. But yeah, I I think it was kind of spoiled. Like it, I, I, at the time I was like, man, this would have been awesome if they didn't show us that. But I, I get it. There, there's, mm-hmm. there was no way around it. And it kind of reminds me of uh, what they did with Kylo Ren's lightsaber when they kind of showed you that new style in yeah. the theater. I mean, in the uh, the trailer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the with the hilt on it and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That could have that could have been a, a reveal for for the movie. What did you think of uh, Darth Maul when you first saw him in the trailer? Did I you just it, think it was so cool. Yeah, I thought it looked really fucking cool. Yeah, I was stoked. Um. Darth Maul just kind of, or uh, Ray Park also just kind of had a moment in the late '90s. He was a stunt actor that they got to do this role, and then a few months later, after the release of Phantom Menace, he was the headless horseman in Sleepy Hollow. Yep, and then he got X Men right after that. Yeah, he's Toad, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Halle Berry kills him. What happens when a frog gets struck by lightning? Yeah, same thing that happens. To everything else. Yep. <laughs> I love that line. Though. <laughs> and uh, well, he's kind of in makeup in that too, so you never really see like what Ray Park actually. I just like. found his social media, and he is very handsome. Oh still. no, he's a great looking guy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yep. twenty years later. But yeah, I wish that they would have kept Ray Park's actual voice because he has this very strong London accent. He's got like a David Beckham kind of a voice. Uh, I'm I'm Ray Park. I'm Ray Park. It's very like kind of not high pitched, but you know, it's definitely not as menacing as the voice that they. Now, did they used. cut dialogue that is in the trailer that is not in the movie with Darth Maul? Possibly. Yeah, I think that there's moments in the trailer where you see him speak a little more. Possibly. Yeah, he doesn't like, speak very much at all. Or like a line of dialogue that they cut from the movie. Something about getting mm-hmm. a revenge. I think that's in the movie, though. Yeah, Darth Maul is a really cool character. And I feel like, to me, you know, all the lightsaber action that we had seen in the first three Star Wars movies was Luke and Vader. And they were cool fights, but they're a little slow. Every now and then, Luke would do a little spin or do a little jump. But, you know, this came around and it was just like... It's like a properly photographed and showcased yeah. action scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I picked that... the marketing and, it's you know, they're like, well, this isn't your grandma's lightsaber battle. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I feel like... The, yeah, I think people were saying that, like radio ads and stuff. But, you know, I think it was so big and so energetic and it was at the end of the movie that that's kind of why walking out I, in particular, was just like, yeah, I loved it. It was great. Oh, it's the best scene of the entire movie, hands down. Yeah. Um, just because, yeah, it, just, it, it ended on this note that you're just like, wow, that was, that was amazing. And then afterwards, you get to go back and, and think about it <laughs> and really break it down and start poking holes in it. But, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great scene. Well, you know what is not the best scene in the entire movie? Are you going to say the pod racing the scene? Pod sure. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. That pod racing scene, when I revisit it now... I just find it a little. I think that we usually just skip it. Just skip it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I skipped it today. Um, it's ten minutes long, <laughs> it's first of so all, long. and it and it's extended. So from the theatrical release to the DVD release, it, it got extended. Yeah, they oh, added boy. more. They added more to it. 
That and anymore. all I can hear is the sound of those engines. The, yeah. The, oh. the Bulba's engine is like so loud. And it's like, it, you know, it sounds great. You know, we've got like the sound bar going on. And like when you have, you know, the sound effects and everything, it sounds good, you know. But it's a little, mm-hmm. it's a little arduous to, to sit through all of it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, just the, I feel like the overall tone of the movie has a lot of ups and downs, but, um, overall, like the, the action stuff is, is, is really well done, well executed. I, I don't think that scene needs the additional footage of like, of like these weird, like CG aliens just bowing to the crowd. Mm -hmm. Like, why do we need one looks like, why do they all need an introduction? Yeah. Yeah, One looks like he's like a villain on rainbow bright or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not rainbow bright. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's like the shaved, like rainbow bright bad guy. Um, yeah. Oh, but there's some cool shit in there too. Cause we get, uh, we get job of the hut. Yeah. We get job of the hut and we get, uh, there's a there's a lady job of the hut in the background. I was thinking about that. I was looking at it and I was like, I'm I'm pretty sure that's a lady. Like, how do we? I don't want to assume. Yeah, though. Why, do, why do we think it's a female hut? Does she have like eyeshadow and eyelashes <laughs> she or something? Had, like more breasts. Yeah, I, think sure. I don't want to say, boobs. but she had more yeah, breasts. I think she had a little. I mean. You know, Jabba's got some too, but you know, hers were a little bit more voluptuous. And I think her face was a little bit more feminine, if we could even Ew. say that about a slug. But Jabba also has like a like a sexy slave lady wearing Leia's slave gold oh, yeah. bikini. Mm-hmm. But I loved that. I yeah. loved seeing that. I'm picturing him having that like forever and, and just getting it dry cleaned every time yeah. uh, one of the slaves dies. He just loves this outfit. He just thinks it's super cute. And he's just like... You know, he got it at Fascination. Yeah. They, don't, they don't make that model anymore. <laughs> you know? It's yeah, vintage. It's dis- discontinued. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, weren't you saying once that there's a gay job of the hut or like his cousin yes, or something his, his like uncle or something right yes zero the hut and he speaks with like a truman capote accent <laughs> i love that he does it's <sighs> so weird do you remember when we were at stan lee's kamikaze kamikaze and yeah. uh shoes kelly kelly they were giving an award to like elvira or something yeah and they were just riffing because she was late walking up and they were just randomly talking about episode one yeah and jar jar and job of the hut and, and i had a whole conversation and you fully with chimed in yeah with kelly yeah. about gay job of the hut i'll never forget that <laughs> are you familiar are you familiar with that internet like that youtube song shoes Let's get some yeah, shoes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Kelly. Yeah, Kelly. So it was it was Kelly there at uh, at Stanley's Kamikaze, and we were just talking about Zero the Hut. <laughs> but I feel like, and stick with me here, the Huts are this like giant space slug. So they're probably asexual. I don't know. Gender fluid. <laughs> Gender fluid. Yes. They probably kind of like how do how do how do slugs and worms kind of like procreate. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't have know. an answer. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, but uh, there's there's a there's a lot of cool Easter eggs in in that scene. Um, not the least of which is Warwick Davis. Yeah, there's a little shot of there's a little got, shot of Warwick. We got mm-hmm. yeah, we got Warwick Davis, Ew- uh, Wicket the Ewok in there out of out of out of costume, unmasked. I think that I read on IMDb that Warwick is also one of Anakin's friends. Yeah, I read that too. That he's he's like uh, the little Greedo guy, mm-hmm. or not? Well, 
Greedo is a. I'm going to think of the kind of alien Greedo is without looking it up. I'm going to look it up in case okay. you, uh, you don't remember. Because <laughs> I feel like I might not get it. But he's that. He's that kind of. Uh, yeah, that's him in the in the in the costume. I remember all the fan theories that Boba Fett might be one of Anakin's friends at the oh, time. Boy. That's, yep. that's mm-hmm. grasping at straws yep. right there. <laughs> that's grasping at straws. Uh, Greedo aliens are called shit. I'm not going to remember. I'm out. Rodians. Rodians. Yes, I knew that. Of course, I knew that. <laughs> But um, yeah, so there's there's some cool Easter eggs in that scene in particular. Yeah, the um, Boba Fett cameo is a reach for sure. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah a reach, absolutely. Um, the 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 story that we do get for Boba Fett uh, in Attack of the Clones, I feel like at first I was a little iffy about, but now with everything with you know. Clone Wars and and now the Bad Batch and and all of that. I'm kind of like I'm kind of into I'm kind of into the whole clone situation, and and Boba Fett being like a un, untampered with clone of mm-hmm. of Jango Fett and all that. I, I'm mm-hmm. kind of, I'm kind of into it. So yeah, so the pod race is uh, is weird. It's a little lab- laborious to get mm-hmm. through. So so we skip through it. So if if you skip through it at home, listeners. It's okay. We're, we're, we do it too. We're right there with you. We do it too. Um, what were some of the things that we definitely noticed that stuck out to us on this viewing? I noticed uh, Padme's like French tip manicure. Yeah, <laughs> those those beautiful nails. And <laughs> her uh, the very first shot of her on like that view screen, that mm-hmm. like circular view screen. She's like sitting in the chair and she's like all tragic and just like. Doing the voice, like her crazy Amidala voice. Her sad, monotone Amidala yeah. voice. And her hand, you can see her hands and she's got like, she's got like this, this like French tip manicure. I, I had a few things that popped in my head. I mean, we were trying to clock that lace front on Liam Neeson. Qui-Gon. We were looking that, at that wig. Qui-Gon's wig. <laughs> very fascinated with it. It's a good wig. It's a good wig. I can It I looks see, like it's, it's grown out of his head. I can see wig. Um, speaking of bad wigs, you can tell that there are certain scenes with Ewan that they had to bring him back in after principal photography because he is clearly wearing a wig. Yeah. There's an exchange with him and... Uh, and Jar Jar, right? And Qui-Gon, I oh, think. okay. Yeah. That you can tell that, oh, this was like a pickup. Um, what else? Oh, Amidala and her like... Uh, in her big black headdress outfit, mm-hmm. just didn't change at all in well, the she, ship. She wears it for like three, to, like a week or something. How long are they? How long are they on Tatooine? Yeah, that's what I want to know. <laughs> but what I really want to know is who's lugging around her wardrobe. Yeah, they specifically call out that the ship has is carrying her wardrobe. So she's got like these. I imagine these like Louis Vuitton trunks. I mean, that's like a gag <laughs> on. That's like a gag in yeah. Spaceballs. It's Kathy Bates in uh, the Titanic. Yeah, like her in the big trunks. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm picturing that. Yeah. <laughs> Not without her matching luggage. Very unsinkable Molly Brown. The Louis mm-hmm. Vuitton like. Yeah, those big steamer trunks. That like open up sideways and have like mm-hmm. hanging hanging clothes in them. I mean, that's what's so great about Spaceballs <laughs> is that that was a visual gag in that movie. Yeah, where John Candy yeah. is just like her royal harnesses match luggage. <laughs> it's her royal harnesses match luggage. What? 
Her Royal Highness's matched luggage. Oh, matched luggage, huh? What she think this is, a princess cruise? I, well, she wouldn't go without it. And they're carrying it through the desert and they leave it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, they have to find Anakin. They get trapped in the sandstorm. They do the pod race. They like all this crazy crap. L- leaving Obi-Wan Kenobi, who has to wait in the car the entire to time. To wait in the car. He does you not, can't come. He does not get to come on their, like, on their adventure, on their field trip. He just has to like stay home and like work on the car, you know. And um, finally, when they do get back on the ship, go to Coruscant, get off. She's still wearing this damn black dress that Ooh. she left that she left Naboo wearing. Yeah, it has to smell. The t- probably <laughs> the timeline is muddled at best. But um, yeah, so those those are some of the those those are some of the gems that that. Uh, that jumped out uh, jumped out to us on this mm-hmm. last watch. Is there, is there anything that you kind of like that kind of jump out at you when you watch it or things that you didn't notice before? Well, the biggest thing is that the whole movie could have ended if Watto just would have took um, the Republic uh, credits, right? That's the biggest <laughs> thing I, I first thought of. This movie would have been over. Anakin doesn't exist. No Darth Vader. Nothing like that. Watto takes Republic credits. <laughs> I have an Armenian co-worker that always clocks Watto as the... As the angry Armenian man is that he, like he, works in a junkyard, he's claiming he's claiming Watto he's, is Armenian. He's claiming right. Watto is Armenian. All right, yep. <laughs> no, but a scene that jumped out to me was the uh, the first uh, introduction of R two. So oh, all those droids yeah. are going out to to repair the ship, and they're all panicking and dying. And R two goes out there again, panicking, but he happens to be the one that fixes the ship. Yeah, it's I a cute mean, scene though. It, it's it's cute, but it's one of those things where, like you said, if if R2 got got blown up right then and there, it's like we wouldn't have everything else as we know. There was something that happened that you said when we were watching it. And you're like, what if this happened? And I was like, well, if that happened, then written and directed by George Lucas, credits, movie ends. Oh, I think that it was... Uh, was it Darth Maul like killing Anakin in the desert? No, I think it was either that or the clone armies just, just, just killing all of them. Yeah, well, there's, there's when there's no, they walk in, there's no clones in this. Oh, movie. oh yeah, they're not oh, the, the droid army. The droid, droid army. army. Excuse yeah. me. Um, yeah. I always think of when you see C three PO being built in Anakin's cute little house. I think Anakin. I mean, this is kind of a cute place. I mean, for being slaves, they look like they're doing pretty well for themselves. This they nice, have like this nice apartment. They have like they a have. nice little apartment. There's a little kitchen set. So clearly, they're like building a droid. You know, yeah. it's like clearly. Thing. I mean, they might be slaves, but like, I mean, I think that why, why I think they're doing a, okay. Watto's giving them a good life. <laughs> but um, I always see like C-3PO being built, and I always think I'm trying to think of in the series if you see C-3PO and Darth Vader in any scenes together. That I just want to see like a robot chicken sketch, a Darth Vader just being like, hey, I built one of those in my mom's house when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, I don't know that they actually share any screen time in any of the other movies. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think they do. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think that if Darth Vader just randomly saw him in passing, yeah. he'd, just, he'd just be like, well, how do you like that? Well, I left that droid in my mom's apartment. <laughs> well, it reminds you of that scene uh, in Devil Wears Prada where Miranda gets out of the car and sees Andy across the street and kind of just like looks at her and yeah. looks away and smiles, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I also like to think, though, 
that droids in the Star Wars universe are kind of like um, it's like an iPhone. Yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't be able to tell one from the other. Like you sure. would see like a C three PO model, like kind of all over. C three PO is like an iPhone eight. Well, that's why we see TC fourteen at the very beginning of this, this very movie, mm-hmm. and it's silver and it's got a female voice to kind of illustrate that point of like there's these droids everywhere. Yeah. Hmm. So what do we think about Shmi Skywalker and the Immaculate Conception? Oh, my God. That's one of those scenes, too, that, like, I just want to see Liam Neeson just being, like... Say what now? Wait, what? (laughs) He doesn't have a dad. (laughs) Yeah, I... I, (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) There are fan theories of, like... Palpatine, like, using, like, uh, manipulating the midichlorians to, like... Oh, my God, the midichlorians. Uh, What did you think of of that when you first saw it? I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Also, kind of the first and last time that they're really brought up is in this... Was it kind of George Lucas trying to plant this, like, we're going to go back to this later? And they never did. Yeah. The same thing with Jar Jar. I know he had a bigger plan for yeah, Jar Jar yeah. um, in the, the rest of the, the sequel or the rest mm-hmm. of the trilogy. Um, but again, once that backlash came with Jar Jar, he's like, no, we're going to drop it and kind of just keep him as a background character. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I think that, that that's kind of like, I don't know if that's the consensus, but yeah, just Palpatine and ma- manipulation of midichlorians to kind of like create Anakin. Yeah, that's my theory as well. Yeah. Like that's the, the the one I follow. It kind of makes the most sense, right? Thinking about Palpatine and yeah. how manipulative he was, and how he was always ahead of everybody else in terms of like planning. So I mm-hmm. could definitely see him um, finding this woman um, and and manipulating the midichlorians inside of her to create like you know yeah. his heir. Essentially, yeah, 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 exactly. Sure. So, it kind of <laughs> Scott's just okay. like no. <laughs> oh, you're not buying it, Scott. Huh? I don't know. <laughs> this. This is like because it's I mean it's it's like a Christ allegory too. Also kind of Which kind of confuses me. Yeah. I it, don't know. Do you even think even George Lucas even put all that much thought into it? <laughs> Probably not. Well let us live in our little bubble okay, yeah. Palpatine it makes sense and we're going with that. Speaking yeah. of Palpatine and the title The Phantom Menace, do you know how long it took me? To figure out, or I think that Pete had to explain to me who the Phantom Menace was. Who do you think the Phantom Menace is? Darth Maul. It's Darth Sidious. And I I thought it was, and I just assumed that it was Anakin Skywalker becoming Darth Vader. Really? I assumed it was Anakin was was the Phantom Menace. He's the (laughs) the Phantom Menace. Well, I think it's Darth Sidious because we we only really see him darth sidious talking to the trade federation right the nemoidians have this relationship with him but the jedi don't even know that the sith like exists so i mean it granted using that logic it could still be darth maul but darth sidious is the one that's kind of like pulling all the strings he's the puppet master so he's he's the this menace you know uh to the to the Jedi Order and to you know the greater good or whatever, but that's always how I uh, interpreted it. But I think I read that and like I think that might even be in the Vanity Fair article. Okay, so I mean I just remember the teaser poster for this movie, which I think I had this poster hanging up in my room. Uh-huh. It was that shot of Anakin walking by 
one of the little houses on Tatooine, the and, shadow. and his shadow was Darth Vader. Yeah. So I think I just sort of put both of those together, and I yeah. just assumed that Anakin was the Phantom Menace. I don't. Okay, know. I concede that. Yeah. Sure. That, no, that's yeah. good though. I like it. You know, who's to say? I feel like you know when you go to something like the Lord of the Rings. Well, and also kind of the two towers. It was not very like direct in the book what exact of what exactly the two towers were. That's too. exactly yep. where I was going to go with this. So I mm-hmm. think uh you know the author there and I think George Lucas here is kind I don't know if maybe if you ask George Lucas right now like who is the Phantom Menace, he might just say like I don't know who do you think it is. Sure. And that I'm cool with that cuz I I had never thought of your interpretation, Scott. Mm-hmm. So I I like that. So it could be an, it could it could be yeah. either mm-hmm. either of the three that we all said. I love that we all three of us had a different person. I know I, I was one hundred percent about to think that we were all about to say Darth Maul. Uh, well, so I'm obviously. glad we all had different um, interpretations of the title. Yeah, definitely. That's funny. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff from this that we that we can take away with each viewing. And um, you said you first watched it on VHS when it was first yes. shown to you. Um, so we have uh, a VHS that I – well, this isn't my original purchase, uh, but it's uh, a special edition. It was the first release on VHS, but it was a special edition of it, and it came with a bunch of, like, extra stuff. I think that we got the mm-hmm. one in our closet from Amoeba Records. We did. We got it from Amoeba. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got mine at Suncoast Movies and Gifts at the mall. Um, but the the tape, it starts off with a maybe 15 to 20-minute like behind the scenes, like making of, of Phantom Menace. And um, I used to watch it all the time. And it's actually on YouTube. You can just, you we know. We watched it last night. We watched it last night. Yep. If you like go on YouTube and just put in like opening of like Phantom we'll post Menace a link to it. VHS, you can watch this. And one of the producers of, of Phantom Menace and all the prequel movies, Rick McCallum, is like this crazy like Hollywood producer guy. And he's got this like crazy hair he looks like the the ancient aliens guy like he's got his hair like sticks straight up and he's just like this hollywood producer and he's like just super into it you know and he's just like the movie's just so dense like there's something in every there's scene something going on in every he's in like, every frame of the you, movie if you pause the movie you know just pause it and there's just something in every frame and like i just remember at the time just thinking oh my god okay rick, calm down rick girl. mccallum to <laughs> take it down a notch but i mean he's kind of right there is a lot going on in yeah. this movie and yeah, this movie is packed. Yeah. So you always mention to me that the only shot that doesn't have any computer effects in it is that shot of the... There's a vent with smoke coming the out of it. The vent with smoke coming out of it. Do you think that's true? That's what they say. Well, I don't think it's necessarily CG, but I think it's just any effects because some of them will just have like a blue screen. Like a random cutaway. Like space or whatever. Of a vent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's just a, it's a random cutaway of a vent with the with the gas coming out of it, and supposedly that's the only shot that's one hundred percent in camera. Interesting, yeah, because there's just so much crap that's been added to it. Mm-hmm. So, going to the home video release, do you remember how long it took for this to come out on DVD? It took years. Oh. Did it? I see that. So that I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I remember when the DVD came out, it was a huge deal. Because I think that it was around the time that Attack of the Clones was coming out yeah. on video. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. it was. It, it didn't come out until uh, Attack like of the Clones. 2002 or so. Yes, yeah. Well, I mean, DVDs were still kind of very new at that point. So not everything had a DVD release. And, and uh, that holiday season, when it did come out on home video, it was VHS only, but most movies were still at that time. So, yeah. I think that I looked it up and it came out uh, April of 2000. Ah, okay. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it did, it did take a minute for it to come out on on, on DVD. But I I snapped it up right away. I have it. I still have I still have my DVDs, mm-hmm. and uh, we actually don't have the 4K release of this. We do not. Uh uh-uh. uh We don't have any of the prequels in 4K. Yeah, but we, we have, have the original trilogy in 4K, and yep. they look beautiful. If you're like movie people and you got a nice TV and all that, the 4K transfer is amazing. But um, what uh, what are your thoughts on the rest of the prequel series? Is uh, do you have a favorite of the three? Um, is it this one? So my favorite is Revenge of the Sith, um, only because nice. you, you get to see that transformation from Anakin Skywalker and Darth yeah. Vader. Yeah, um, you get General Grievous, right? And General is Grievous is badass, amazing villains. If you ask, he's me. a robot and he coughs. Um, I love that. <laughs> he has like he has like an immune system, so he's like half. Human person? Got, I don't know. Yeah, half, like cyborgish. I don't yeah. know. He's got all those guts in his. Yeah, chest. he's a cool character. Yeah, I definitely love that. I remember having the toy where if you you like hit the the, the toy in a specific spot, uh, it exploded. So oh, I mean, it was kind nice. of perfect. You know, we love have the that. Lego of that character. I do. I have a giant mm-hmm. Lego of of. We have Grievous, Grievous and I love Obi Wan battling. Yeah. Yeah, so Revenge of the Sith, number one. Um, Attack of the Clones was my second favorite. Uh, Jango ah. Fett's one of my favorite uh, characters. Boba Fett's Love number it. one, of course. But um, And this one, this one's number three. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah. it's it's still up there, right? Like, I put Phantom Menace way above, um, you know, Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> uh, The Last Jedi, yeah, and, and, you know, all those movies. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really cool. Yeah, some there's some really great characters in, in the prequel series. Um, so, w- would you, you said Boba Fett's your, like, your, favorite character in the star wars like oh yeah canon. he's my favorite absolutely what about you guys character wise movie wise what do you think scott do you have a favorite character do i have a favorite character i think that it's a toss-up between obi-wan kenobi and princess leia as mm-hmm. just sort of my favorite star wars characters in general as far as the prequel movies i think phantom menace is my favorite of the prequels ah. Love it. I think it's the one that I like to rewatch the most. And I think that it kind of has the most nostalgia for me because I was sort of the target audience when it came out. I was mm-hmm. 13, like the exact kind of kid that they were going for in marketing, and it totally worked. Um, I think that I've really come around to both Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith that I don't think I really cared for them at the time they were coming yeah. out. But I think that they revisit really well, and I have fun with them. And when we sat down and watched a few months ago Revenge of the Sith, like, I had a great time watching it. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So I think that one's pretty good. I like the last scene with Anakin and Obi-Wan. That's really good. Very powerful moment. Yeah. Yep. On Mustafar. Mm-hmm. That is a really great scene, and uh, Ewan McGregor plays it really well. The one thing I don't like about Revenge of the Sith is I think that they kind of do Natalie Portman kind of dirty in that movie. That she has I was just thinking nothing that. to do in that movie, but <laughs> yeah. to kind of be in her penthouse apartment and wear and like rub her belly extravagant nightgowns with pearls in them. <laughs> 
I mean, if if Amidala is known for anything, it's it's the gowns. Yeah, it's, I mean, especially at a gowns. time where like Natalie Portman was really coming into her oh, own right, as an yeah. actress, that yeah. she had just been Oscar nominated for Closer. That I just kind of thought she would have a bigger role in it. Yeah, that they kind of wrote her. I mean, she's given something to do in Attack of the Clones, at least. That she has like. She got action. She has the big action sequence in that movie. She has the really fierce like crop top in that movie too. That I always (laughs) really like. Crop top makes no sense. Every time I watch, I think it's super fierce. No, that's not logical. There's no way that you get a crop top from that slash. She's got like tearaways. That big crazy tiger cut that cut that dress in half. (laughs) That blouse. But yeah, kind of disappointing of what they give her in Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Yeah, they make her they make her paranoid and um pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Um I do like all the memes about how uh if the baby's Obi Wan's, but those (laughs) those are kind of fun. Um I I feel like Obi Wan might be my favorite character. Yeah. Out of all of it. Um I love I love especially his look in uh Revenge of the Sith. It's my favorite era for oh, him. Oh, yeah. He's that like, he has great. like the beard. Yeah. That he's really coming into like being like a scruffy older <laughs> man. I'm into yeah, it. Yeah, love it. Um, I also really love Rogue One. Rogue One's great. I think. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I really love that movie. I'll never forget sitting in the theater for Rogue One, and it was the scenes leading up to the big reveal. So I remember sitting in the theater and just the lead up to that reveal of Tarkin and just looking around at people whispering to each other, I think it's going to be Tarkin. I think it's going to be Tarkin. And then like that big reveal of him and just the audience just audibly gasped. Yeah. At that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was I was gagged. I thought it was super successful. I think that I think the the CGI model of of Peter Cushing is great. I think it looks amazing. And I mean, that movie really showed how scary Darth Vader as a character. Yeah, can be. you got to see some scary Darth Vader scenes. I mean, get out of here! Mm-hmm. Yeah, some really good action with him. Yeah. Um, I-, I loved it. Honestly, I love that it led right into a new hope. It's so kind of perfect. cool! So cool! I just that whole the whole final act of that movie, and in particular those last scenes where mm-hmm. it just goes right onto right onto Leia's ship, is just like holy. Fuck. I knew it was going to lead into New Hope, but not that tightly. And it was so great. Um, good movie. But, yeah, definitely good movie. I think of the prequels. Um, I like your I like your order, Nick. I think Revenge of the Sith is probably my favorite because it, it, it has so much going on um, with the characters and leading into the next uh, trilogy. Um, uh, I, I think maybe I might put Phantom Menace second. Um but uh, yeah, this this movie it just it's it's at this point it's become that thing where it's just it's a comforting movie. I've seen it so many times, I know it so well that it's something that like I can just kind of put on if I'm not really even gonna like pay that much attention to it, but just maybe have a movie on, you know, and like clean the house or or just you know fart around on my iPad or whatever. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just I know these characters so well and. Um, I appreciate that it's kind of the campiest movie. Oh, it definitely of these is the campiest of these two, one. which kind of like relating to our show. Yeah, just for sure. like the camp extravaganza of everything that Natalie Portman is wearing. Yeah. It's just like it's just great. That's why I love to revisit it. Her line delivery is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, showing up showing up at the Senate just like 
this little this little kid, you know, elected leader showing up at the Senate, like delivering these lines is is iconic. So, yeah, amazing. This there's there's a lot going on in Star Wars. We barely scratched the surface of it. But this movie, I mean, it it contributed a lot to to all of our to all of our like uh, love for movies in general. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, easy. I kind of like that. It's so divisive with people, too, that people have very strong feelings about it. Yeah, you either love it or you, you hate it. I mean, there really isn't an in-between for this one. Yeah, but I think also, too, with the sequels now being so divisive that it kind of – we're back in this place where of, – of loving the prequels again, you know? Mm-hmm. Again, with with the meme accounts and, you know, people your age, Nick, that kind of grew up with – the prequels as just kind of being a part of the star Wars that, you know, you know, um, that generation just kind of re-embracing it and, um, mm-hmm. kind of taking it as their own. Um, and now we're all turning against <laughs> the sequels and those are kind of being the ones that were like, eh, these are, these are kind of weird. So, um, yeah, like I mentioned before that George Lucas really tried with these, these movies that he was trying to do something new and different with each one. Everything may not be perfect about them, but that's yeah. kind of why you love them. Yeah. But at least we tried something different. Yeah. At least it's mm-hmm. not just a complete rehash. He's not rehashing characters and old storylines. Yeah. Visually, they're different. Storyline, all that stuff. And so it, it contributes to the three of these the three movies in the in the prequel trilogy just kind of having their own space in, in the Star Wars universe. And now really just being a huge part of... of you know, Disney and the Star Wars, you know, uh, theme park situation, all that stuff is, 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 is so great and so much fun. You know, just, it's just a huge part of, of like culture really. Yeah. Um, I have in my notes, camp spectacular. It's colorful and not as dark as the other movies. And it's a movie that wants its audience to have fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything that we left out, Nick? Anything that you wanted to bring up that we that we didn't get around to, to talking about? Um, I think of that scene when uh, Padme – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, she's going up to the king of – what's the species of Jar Jar Binks? The Gungans? The Gungans, yeah. Yeah, she's going up to the king, and it's Queen Amidala. Who do you think it's Queen Amidala speaking? And then out of nowhere, Padme just comes out of the sides like, no, I'm actually Queen Amidala. (laughs) She's Uh, got I'm sorry to have deceived you, but, (laughs) you know, we need your help. I was like, oh, that was a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, stunt queen. She's got stunts. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. No, and is- then, of course, for, for the next movie, for Keira Knightley to just die on um, the deck. Or- <laughs> Her ship oh, gets that's blown right. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that, I, I, I always forget about that. And I'm always shocked whenever it happens in Attack of the Clones. Well, it's her, oh, no, me too. It's her decoy. It's not actually Kira, though, is it? I don't think oh, it's actually I, Kira. I don't know. But I'm assuming it's the same character because it's her decoy. Sure. So, yeah. But, yeah, that's... Uh, a tragic end to this character that <laughs> that we love. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all the Padme stuff is amazing. We love it. Mm-hmm. We love it. We 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 stand a stunt queen. I mean, also Natalie Portman. I think that people kind of forget about Natalie Portman's style of acting. That Natalie Portman, especially when you look at her work from the last ten years, mm-hmm. is not a subtle actress. Like she makes very bold choices in a lot of her movies. From like. Black Swan to Vox Lux, Jackie. Jackie, It's just like she kind of has this weird range that she's really... I mean, she's obviously given credit for because she has 
Academy Award nominations, but people kind of underestimate her sometimes. Yeah, for sure. We'll we'll always have Padme. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's uh, it's probably just about time to wrap things up. But Nick, thank you so thank much you for so coming much. on the this show. Was so much fun to talk oh, no, about. Thank you guys for having me. I'm I'm a huge fan of the show. Oh, good. Um, yeah, you guys are great. Yeah, so thank you so much. This was this has been awesome. Uh, we'd love to have you on again in the future. So we'll definitely keep in touch for uh, for something for something moving forward. But oh, um, definitely. Hopefully, another Star Wars. Hey, <laughs> maybe we might be able to fit something else in. But um, until then, we will bid you adieu. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you, guys. You're Bye. 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 And thank you so much for listening, everybody. Fun episode. Star Wars. I mean, we're huge fans. Obviously. Huge fans. We have so much Star Wars crap in our apartment. I was thinking about we bought the Millennium Falcon with wedding money. Do you remember that? We bought a Lego Millennium Falcon <laughs> with uh, with with wedding money. We sure mm-hmm. did. That we, was a good uh, purchase. And also, we have uh, your friend Matt's wedding gift, which is a big Star Wars framed yes. framed art that uh, we always look at whenever we watch TV. That Matt, was a wedding gift. Matt and Kristen Earhart, my dear, dear, dear friends. Matt, love you, buddy. Miss you so much. Uh, they got us this amazing framed Star Wars poster. It is a limited edition. Do you remember how heavy that was to put up? We, had, really to, we had to call heavy. over yeah. a friend to, to help us I out. I was like, we need a stud finder. We need this to go in the wall. Because if I put it up, it is going to break yeah. our house down. Um, but yeah, we've got... I, I always forget. I look at that thing every day. We're going to post more stuff on Patreon. There's a video right now up of some of our Star Wars stuff. We're going to do another one, yes. I think. That we're we, going to have kind of a, a proper... Uh, a showcase of all of our Star yes. Wars haul that so, we've collected through the years. Yes, yeah, so head over to the Patreon for that. I talked a little bit about my uh, Mace Windu action figure with the blue lightsaber and is, you know, is it worth anything? Well, it's on eBay right now for a whopping $8.99 brand new mint in box. So hold on to it for a few more years. Maybe the, maybe the value will go up. So who came out on top with that purchase? This guy right here. So, yeah. But speaking of Patreon, I think it's that time. Patreon shout-outs. Yes, indeed. It is that time for some Patreon shout-outs. We want to say hey, hey, hello, and thank you to all of our wonderful patrons, including but not limited to Susan. Barry, JJ, Brandon, Leighton, Shelby, Merle, Michael, Charlie, Heather, Paul, Jamie, Drew, Jimmy, Genevieve, Don, Josh, Emily, Melly, Aaron, Melinda, and Jim, Jessica, Nick, and Shannon, Christine, and Rufino. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. For being it means patrons. a lot. It does. It means so much. Head over to patreon.com slash movies that made us gay and you can check out our tiers. Our, you can check out our tiers. Uh, it's the end of the month, so we always get to our newsletter. We've been yes. thinking about stuff to put in we're, we're this writing month's it now. newsletter. It's going to be fun. Um, also, kind of a little podcast episode lineup to kind of preview what's coming on. In September, mm-hmm. we are going to Disney World. Yes, the we two are. Of us. So I decided that we're going to have two weeks in a row of animated Disney movies. Sweet. Because uh, everyone kind of really responded to us doing Robin Hood. Yes, and you guys. A lot of... That was so cool. That, mm-hmm. like we, The Robin Hood posts 
on Instagram got a lot of love, and the Robin Hood episode got a lot of downloads. You guys like really loved that episode. When I put on like the question in our stories, what do you think we're going to do? We got a lot of different responses. We did just sort of yeah. movies that I hadn't really thought about doing yeah. that we're doing now in September. So stay tuned. We have two really good classics. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. So that that will be really really fun. And two out. really good guests too. They're returning. Oh, fun. Yeah. Fun. Awesome. So uh, keep an eye out for that. So just uh, check out your new episodes for that. And um, until then, we would love it if you would rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, we'd love to read on the air. Yes, indeed. If you write us a review, we'll read it on the show. We've been doing that lately. And um, give us five stars while you're there. Give us five stars. Smash those stars to the right. If you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, then uh, hit subscribe on... Uh, Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you listen to us, hit mm-hmm. subscribe because it will alert you when the new episodes post and it also just helps out us with mm-hmm. visibility in yep. the long run. So thank you very much for doing that. You can find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Movies That Made Us Gay. And Twitter at NTMUGPod. Yes, indeed. You can find me. My name is Pete. I am on Instagram and Twitter at Peter Lasagna. I'm Oscar Scott on Twitter, Scott Youngbauer on Instagram, and just Scott Youngbauer on Letterboxd. See what I'm watching. Yes, indeed. So just like always, feel free to hit us up anytime if you have any questions, comments. You know, you can always reach out on all the socials. Leave us comments or questions on Instagram. We are active there the most. You can also email us at gay at gmail.com if you have any you know, questions or comments, or you just want to shoot us an email about anything, just, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. So you can go ahead and do it there as well on Gmail. But until then, uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week with another movie from 1999. Yes, this was not planned. (laughs) It just sort of, it just sort of came out like that. It's a great year for movies. The 10th movie from 1999 next week. That's awesome. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.